How's it going? Good morning. It's Thursday, June 18th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. We have a special guest today joining us right now is Dave Biddle, the editor of Bucknuts on 24-7 Sports. And Dave, you're an Ohio State expert, and I'm excited to have you on because I've been a little bit confused about this Buckeye pledge and, and the backlash to it and the backlash to the backlash, but I just want to start off by asking you how you're doing and hope you're doing well. I am doing very well. It's great to join you, Trey. Let's just hope we have college football this season. I, uh, I've, I have gone from being worried we won't have a season to being almost 100% confident we will. And now you have people coming out on Twitter, like Teddy Greenstein from the Chicago Tribune saying he's here in 50-50, we're going to have a college football season. So let's hope that's not true. Let's hope we have college football. But I'm doing well, buddy, and it's good to talk to you. I didn't see that Teddy tweeted that. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's... Yeah, that's I've been yo-yoing myself. I remember when Kirk Herbstreet, your guy, came out and said he'd be shocked. I think we were all a little bit panicked the last few weeks, last few months. I guess I've been telling anyone, though, probably since May, 100% going to have a season. Don't worry about it, people. And now I'm, uh, with cases rising, a little bit more concerned. But that brings us to this Buckeye Pledge, which, and I'll let you sort of outline it because I probably... I probably won't do as good of a job of, of going over it as you could, but it's essentially, well, it's like literally called the Buckeye Pledge. And it asks the players, the Ohio State players, to help stop the spread of COVID-19 and to accept that they may be exposed to COVID-19 and, and other infections. It's a two-page electronic pledge. By signing it, you're agreeing to testing and potential self-quarantining. You're agreeing to monitor for symptoms. And you're agreeing to report any potential exposure um, in a timely manner. And you're also agreeing to do things that I think a lot of people out there should be agreeing to do, such as wearing a mask and practicing social distance. So, Dave, that all sounds like pretty great, right? What, what's, why, why are some people finding an issue with this? I think people have a problem. I certainly don't. I don't think most people. But the people that are outspoken about this, some of the national pundits, I think they have a problem with young men basically in their view being forced to sign a waiver and if that's what was happening i could understand the outrage but i consider it fake outrage to anyone who actually reads the document because first of all it's voluntary these kids don't have to sign it they would stay on scholarship um nothing would change there and to my understanding it's also not a legal document but i think it's very germane to the discussion trey that ohio state's players to a man wanted to do this like they, there wasn't one dissenting voice on the team and talking to my sources and the parents were on board. I just think some people look at it as, oh, you're, you know, the university is trying to, you know, distance themselves away as much from a lawsuit as they can. Well, yeah, I think that makes sense in this day and age. I, I have a daughter that plays middle school tennis. I guarantee you I'm gonna have to sign a waiver, my wife and I, that's gonna say our school district is not liable if she gets COVID. And, you know, I where's the pen? Where do I sign? And we're seeing it all over in little leagues here in Ohio. I'm sure it's the same way across the country. If you want to play little league baseball, these little kids, seven years old, their parents are signing waivers and these are legal documents. And there's some, there's some debate whether or not this Buckeye pledge is a legal document. They're saying it's not, there's some debate about that. So that's one thing we really need to get to the bottom of, but Ohio state's saying it's not a legal document. Others are saying then, you know, what's the point of it? If it's not a legal document, aren't you trying to remove liability here? So 
But another thing I think is important to point out, Ohio State is basically saying, listen, we're doing everything we can when you're under our supervision. But if you go out to a nightclub, you're not wearing a mask and you do this and that and you're irresponsible. That's another reason they wanted these kids to sign the pledge that, that listen, when it, you, when you're not under our supervision, that you are going to do the right things um, you know, in society. And they wanted the kids to you know, get it in writing that if they do get COVID, that they are willing to self-quarantine themselves for 14 days. So a lot to unpack there, Trey, but it's, uh, it is interesting seeing some of the what I call fake outrage out there about the Buckeyes signing this. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack, and it's different than the SMU one that is a, a liability waiver, which is when I first heard of the Buckeye pledge, I assumed that's what it was too, and not until you sort of dig in do you realize it's not. And of course, it could be considered a legal document, if, if like it came to a, a lawsuit or something like this would probably be used in Ohio state's defense. And the fact that if you're not 18, you have to have a parent or guardian sign it points me in that direction too. I think, I think first of all, it's an interesting admission by the schools and we're seeing this now, right, Dave, like you, you, you could get COVID here. Like you could get COVID-19. And I think that's something that everyone's had to accept the last few weeks that as we return to sports, this is just going to happen. And we're seeing daily, you know, Alabama has eight players test positive for COVID-19. Texas has three one day and and four new ones the next day. And it's just a thing that we're going to have happen. I think, I think for a while we lived in a bubble in which we assumed that once this dies down a bit, you know, maybe we can forge on without having, all these positive cases pop up per team. I think we're now realizing and accepting that this is, this is just how it's going to be this fall. And, and it's, I, I, I think it's interesting that the school's saying, look, like we're going to do our best, but we cannot guarantee that this won't happen. And I think it's a, it's probably a needed admission that we are going to see positive cases because I think I've seen a few people freak out in the last few weeks or days when these college teams do report these positives, like, Oh my gosh, Kansas State has two. Like, you know, stop it now. And people are saying, no, 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 no. Like, we 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 knew this was going to happen. I think that's maybe the most remarkable step of the Buckeye Pledge is, hey, look, guys, like, this is a very likely or realistic scenario for you. Absolutely, Trey. And, you know, I think, um, in fact, I know Gordon Gee, the president of West Virginia, the former president, two-time president at Ohio State, former Vanderbilt president. He was the first one to come out and I, I, I thought gave a very realistic point of view. And this was a month ago and no one was saying this. He was saying, listen, it is inevitable. Players are going to get COVID. And he said, we can't shut the whole thing down. We need to have proper protocols in place, quarantine any players that get it. And that's what they're going to do. But yeah, the, the problem I see, you know, obviously if one or two kids gets it, even if it's a star player, I mean, that, that would suck. But like, that's not going to prevent um, a football team from playing. The only problem I see is if now this Texas, you know, three one day for the next, and you know, if that becomes something where twenty guys on the team have it, and it's during the season, I mean, that's something that could be a, a big problem. Now, if it's one school or two schools here and there, they're not going to shut the whole thing down. But if you have, you know, let's say, you know, half the schools in the country have twenty kids that have coronavirus, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not that I'm a doctor or anything like that. I'm just guessing here from you know, everything that I've seen and read about this, I think that's probably a fairly low risk to happen. But let's say that does happen. That's where things could really get shut down. And I, I, that's not what Gordon Gee was talking about. He was talking about the few players here and there get it. We can't shut it down. I, I agree 100%. But if, we, if those numbers rise, that's where I start to have some trepidation about um, 
will we have a season? Might they start the season and have to, you know, end it like they did with college basketball? Because um, I'm with you. I figured once, you know, once the weather warmed up, even with things, you know, um, even with things opening up and people kind of going back and doing what they're doing, I, I was optimistic that we'd see the numbers go down. And now we're seeing spikes, especially in certain areas. We're staying pretty flat here in Ohio, but you just never know. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But again, I think as long as there's not a rash of breakouts, a rash of players getting the coronavirus, I think we're going to have football. The College Football Daily will be right back. Are you surprised knowing what you know about Ohio State's media department or the the way they do things that they have not uh, and will not be releasing the testing information publicly? I am not surprised about that. I know some people have said, well, listen, they don't need to give us the names, but they should at least give the numbers. And I get that point of view, but you know, just to give everybody um, you know, kind of the, the background here, Ryan Day is great with the media and he's just great across the board. But one thing he is adamant about is not talking about injuries. He's just, even if a guy gets a sprained ankle, he didn't want us talking about it. He didn't want, he was, you know, made sure his staff was not leaking any of that. He was telling the parents. That was one big thing that he came in. So I'm not surprised, Trey, that they're not even going to say, hey, we've got five guys. Now, maybe that that have come down with the virus. Now, maybe that will change. Um, but right now, it doesn't surprise me at all. And frankly, I'd probably be doing the same thing. It's really nobody's business, you know, and people are saying, well, you know, it's a state university. They should be with people on Bucknuts, you know, a very vocal minority are saying, this is my right to know as a taxpayer. Say, no, it's not. You don't need, it's not your right to know how many Ohio state football players have coronavirus. It's just not your right. Now, will Ohio state change their, you know, the way they do things in that respect, perhaps once the season starts, but I don't, you know, Ryan Day, it likes to hold that stuff close to the vest. So I won't be surprised if they just, um, unless they're mandated for some reason to say you have so many kids out or you have to say, listen, if Justin Fields is not playing this week, you have to let you know the Big Ten know or the NCAA know. Although I don't think it, it's going to come to that where they would have to do that. But I don't see Ohio State changing their way they do things. So for the Buckeye Pledge, every football player signed the waiver. So there was no issue. And I saw a, a quote from Sean Wade's, Wade's dad. He was like, I, I had no problem with this. I also read what you wrote, Dave, uh, the other day about the the outrage. And you made a good point. Probably every school is going to do this. And it's just Ohio State was first and Ohio State is Ohio State and tends to you know draw as much attention as anybody. I do wonder if the, the reason people are piling on here outside of the fact that it's some people see it to be problematic that you know, student athletes would be exposed to COVID-19. The reality is that students in, in general or anyone you know trying to go about a somewhat normal life is going to be exposed perhaps to COVID-19 this fall is, is Gene Smith's quotes about it being educational. Do you think, do you think he's, he's kind of BSing us there at all? Or do you really believe he's sincere when he's, he's not, you know, it's, he says, we don't look at it as a legal document. It's a Buckeye pledge. He's definitely spin doctoring there. There's no doubt about it. We all know it. You know, even the biggest Gene Smith fan. I I really like the job that Gene Smith does, and I like him personally. I've had a chance to talk to him off the record, and he's just, you know, he's a he's good at his job, and he he's a cool guy too. When you just talk to him, and you know, the microphones aren't on, and the cameras aren't on. He's a cool guy. A lot of times when the cameras are on and the mics are on, but yeah, man, he he's completely um, spin doctoring here, and I you know I can I can see why he didn't want to. He could, you know, he's a smart guy. He knew if he came out and said, yeah, we're making these guys sign a legal document that that would look bad. But maybe if he had to do all over again, he wouldn't have tried to make it as 
rosy as it takes. It did seem like that's one thing Max Kellerman said that I really didn't have a problem with. Like, you know, even though there were kind of there was a lot of fake outrage. Max Kellerman, um, which that's why the story on was, you know, the first tape crew getting all, all hot and bothered by it, including they had uh, Paul Feinbaum there as a special guest. But I do agree with Max Kellerman that definitely Gene Smith wasn't being, you know, completely forthcoming there when he was like trying to make it seem like this is all about educational and this and that. And there is some, you know, there there is some validity there a little bit because, again, they're trying to tell these kids it's not just about when you're in the facility. It's when you are not you know, under our supervision. You cannot just go out and go to nightclubs and do everything you've been doing and not think that you're going to expose yourself. And maybe you won't get sick, but maybe you're going to expose Larry Johnson, who's in his 70s, or Greg Madison, who's also in his early 70s. Uh, maybe Larry Johnson's in his uh, you know, upper 60s. I don't want to get in trouble here. But um, you know, they've got some older coaches on the staff. So that's where you know, these kids have to be responsible. So there is some educational you know, value in the Buckeye Pledge, but mostly it's just, you know, basically saying like the university is not going to be liable if you guys go out and get coronavirus because you're being irresponsible. But yeah, he, he was, he was definitely spin doctoring to say the least. A really important part though, if it, if any of it is educational, just reinforcing the point that wearing a mask helps we think, and, and social distancing is, is really important too. Do you take any of this at all to be sort of a document that you sign as far as like, Hey, don't go out this year. Like, don't, don't hit the, don't hit the bars. Like we want you at the facility as much as possible. And I'm not saying that's not the right thing at all. I think, I think everybody needs to be more wary of that and and certainly make some lifestyle changes. But is this at all Ohio state guys? Like let's, 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 let's all kind of stay in our, our own bubble here. They're going to try to do that. But I just think that's just, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're college kids. <laughs> yes. It's like impossible. Think about when we were in college, not that we were like, you know, big time football players. Well, I shouldn't speak for you. Trey. I certainly but, wasn't. I thought uh, you were yeah. going to say big time, like club rat or club rat, bar rat. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bars, maybe not clubs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. And it's just, it, I mean, to blow off steam after you're, you know, and some of these guys are going to be so tired, it's they're not going to want to go out. And a lot of guys just don't go out of clubs anyway. But to act like these kids are never, ever going to go out, even if they're cutting it back from, hey, you know, once a week, we like to go out and blow off steam. And instead of that, they're doing it once a month. I think that's probably the best you can hope for. Um, now, some kids just, you know, aren't going to be kids that go to clubs anyway and don't go to bars. And, you know, they're going to be extra cautious. But, these kids, you know, especially at that age, you go out to a bar, you're not gonna be wearing a mask in that bar, you know, you're, because you're gonna be worrying about you don't look cool. You know, and all, all these things that, uh, you know, I, I'm not gonna look down upon them, because I would probably been doing the exact same thing when I was their age. Um, but I think that that is just so unrealistic to think that you're just going to be able to keep these kids in a pseudo bubble, and not have them do regular college kids things. They, they, they just have to be just a little smarter about it or a lot smarter about it. And if you're having like a house party, only have a few people over, you know, don't lie about it. And like have like 50 people over, you know, just have a small get together and, and maybe don't go out to big gatherings, but it's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. It's going to happen. And, but I'm sure Ryan day and the whole staff, Gene Smith, they're telling them, you know, just, you know, try to stay in the bubble as much as you can, but Hey, good luck with that with 18 to 22 year old kids. Dave, as I uh, as I let you go, got one more question for you, non coronavirus related. While we have you on, I figure we should ask, like, what's what's your what's your mood? What's your pick for Ohio State this season? You think in national title? We think in Justin Fields Heisman? I figure if we're going to talk about the Buckeye Pledge, we might as well spin it forward a little bit to the actual season. Yeah, they 
they'll definitely be in the run, I think, for the national championship. And I do think Justin Fields will be on the short list of Heisman candidates. We know like a lot has to go right. They have to stay healthy and, you know, Fields has to stay healthy and all that. But yeah, they, especially on offense, Trey, they're going to be electric. Justin Fields was so good last year. He was the Heisman finalist last year. And it was his first year starting in college football, first year in the Ryan Day offense. Now as a junior, second year starter, second year in the offense, uh, you have to think he's going to be even better. And they're going to have one of the best offensive lines that I've ever covered at Ohio State with the three returning starters they have. And then the guys they're plugging in as new starters are five-star recruits. And, you know, and two of the returning starters are pegged as either a first-round pick or a second-round pick. And Wyatt Davis, the right guard, and Josh Myers, the center. Um, they've got a young group of receivers, but really good. It's led by junior Chris Olave. The rest of the receivers are mostly sophomores and true freshmen, but very talented. So they're And the, the Ryan Day offense is so good too, Trey. They're going to be electric on offense. Defense, they're going to take a step back, but they were number one total defense in the country last year. My question is, are they going to take a big step back? I don't think they will. Are they going to take you know, a minor step back. I think they're going to take a minor step back. I, think, I still think they're going to be a top 10 defense. They lost a lot of talent on that defense. They also lost Jeff Halfley, of course, to Boston College, who did a great job as defensive coordinator. And I think Ryan Day did a fine job hiring Kerry Combs as his defensive coordinator, bringing him back to Ohio State after two years with the Tennessee Titans as defensive backs coach. But Trey, Kerry Combs has never called a defense unless you can, you know, unless you count when he was a high school head coach and a great high school head coach here in Ohio. He's been a defensive backs coach both in college at the University of Cincinnati here at Ohio State and with the Titans. He's never called a defense before. So that'll be interesting. That's something to keep in mind. Having Greg Madison as the co-defensive coordinator certainly mitigates that because he's called many, many defenses during his career. Um, but they do have even the guys that they're replacing, like Chase Young and Jeff Okuda. They've got guys that they like. They're going to be stepping in those roles. Seven banks at corner. They really like him. Cam Brown's another corner. They really like. Obviously, the best player coming back on defense for Ohio State is Sean Wade. I really thought he'd turn pro. He came back as a fourth-year junior. That's huge. He plays corner. He can move all around like a rover back. They've got all their linebackers back except for Malik Harrison, who was a third-round pick, and you know. Three and four of those linebackers are seniors, Trey. Defensive line will still be very good, even without Chase Young, even without Davon Hamilton and some of those other D tackles they lost. They're going to reload up there. They're not going to be as good on the defensive line, but it's still going to be a strength. So defense will take a little bit of a step back. Offense will take a step forward, and I think they're going to be really, really good. I do think they're going to be a college football playoff team, and then we'll see where the chips fall after that. You have to have some luck go your way, but I do think they're going to be in the CFP. It always amazes me how the the team site, the analysts are like, you guys can just rattle off the entire all 22. It blows my mind. Um, you guys are so good at what you do. Dave Biddle, editor of Bucknuts. Thanks for joining us, man. Really appreciate it, Trey. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Dave Biddle for joining us. That was an interesting conversation about the Buckeye Pledge. And we also got a little look at Ohio State 2020 outlook. I know a lot more Ohio State players right now than I did before talking to Dave. Just wanted to follow up with everybody before we hopped off that tweet that Dave Biddle referenced at the, at the top of our interview from Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. I had not seen um, the, the one talking about maybe college football won't happen after all. I'll read it to you. Uh, he tweeted early on Wednesday afternoon, someone high up in college athletics just told me it's 50-50 at best that college football is played. And the concept that large crowds come to games is ridiculous. A slimmer schedule, such as 10 games in 10 weeks, could help. It's, yeah, you know, not what you want to see in mid-June when we when we felt like we're full speed ahead to getting players back on campus and getting voluntary workouts going and soon getting actual football practices in. 
we'll see. I do, I do sense a certain amount of trepidation and some panic right now across the country as, as COVID-19 cases spike. We'll see if that settles down. We'll see how testing goes for college athletes. Like Dave mentioned, does four tests turn into eight on the regular uh, or positive tests or does four, you know, you quarantine those guys and you get back down to zero and that's your stable number. We'll just see, we're going to have to see how much college college officials are willing to stomach when it comes to the spread of COVID-19 among their teams and whether they can keep it to a reasonable number. You know, the implications for not having a college football season would be the loss of upwards of $4 billion. So you would imagine some sort of season is going to happen, but we'll obviously track this daily as we do on the College Football Daily. So once again, for Dave Biddle, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We will see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.